Yeah. So I'm, I mean, wellness is a skill. Like we have to practice wellness and, you know, no one has time to meditate. I step out of meditation all the time because, you know, I think that these other things that I have to do, because we have this indication that like, if we go out here and I do these things or I get that thing, or I wind up with that car or I wind up, you know, like then I'll Ooh, be I got to go. Hey. I've been working. Told them, please don't hit my phone. No. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Hey. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this game, now my family can eat. Hey everyone, before we start the show, a quick word from our sponsor, the American Nurse Association. The ANA is a place we go for all of our nursing education. And today, the ANA is offering 25% off all site items. Save on all online courses, books, workshops, and more. Use code HOLIDAYSALE21 to check out for a discount. But wait, there's more. The ANA is also offering a next level leadership workshop for all current nurse managers and a new nursing manager workshop for all oncoming nurse managers. Make sure you guys click the link in the description to find out more. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Matt Sartrek and myself, Peter. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For all of you that don't know, make sure you check us out on YouTube. We got all our episodes there. We have our vlogs posted there. We also have some cool nursing debriefments and some tips for all the nurses out there. Cupofnurses.com is where we house all our show notes, where we have all our nursing blogs, all our travel nursing information on that spot. There's also a couplenurses.shop for all your cool nursing gear. Bunch of cool shirts on there. Man, I grabbed a, a bunch of them that we're going to you know, start wearing around because they're super cool. And also, don't forget to check out wearefrontlinewarriors.com for all your mindfulness, wellness, spiritual, positivity. All those kind of needs are all located on there. We got a bunch of blog posts on there for you guys to read over and just so you kind of learn how to be more mindful, more well. Uh, also, some interesting news. Make sure you guys check out prontohealth.com. This is something geared toward travel nursing that we've all been working on diligently here at the Cup of Nurses. Shout out to our team members. We've been trying to make travel nursing a little bit simpler and easier for everybody to grab a hold of just so you can start your travel nursing journey today. What's up, Matt? Sup, sup, sup. On today's episode, we'd like to introduce our guest, Dawn Jones. She is a holistic nurse coach. On her soul journey, she learned that wellness is a skill. We dive deep into the episode about energies, spirituality, her powerful story and message about PTSD and, and uh, overcoming all that trauma. So tune into this episode, take some notes. It's going to be powerful and long. Let's go. Hey, Donna, welcome to the show. Can you give us a little about yourself and where you came from? Well, I just want to first say thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. Um, I am a, I'm a nurse, obviously I've been a nurse for 26 years. Um, I recently just recently came into my attention again. I forgot a while ago that, um, my mom used to keep a little book for me when she would put my little picture up every year and then would write like, you know, who your friends were and what your classes were. And it was like always at the bottom, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And eight year old me knew that I wanted to be a mom and a nurse. And I spelled nurse and you R-C-E and I don't smell much better now. So that's the way it is. So that would like carried on too. But uh, 
went to nursing school right out of high school and um it was hard nursing school was hard um it was uh it was it was definitely a learning curve um there was no one i wasn't grounded in nurse and in in high in college so i didn't really know how to take care of myself because i was grounded all through high school so i didn't have the skills to police myself so it took me a little longer to get through because you know i had to figure out the balance and um then i graduated in 95 i couldn't find a job in a hospital in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Delaware. So I wound up working in a nursing home because I had my bachelor's degree. They wanted to make me the manager of the nursing home right away. And um, it it was awful. I hated it. Um, I really wanted to work with babies. So I went to Barnes and Noble in 1996 and got a uh, newspaper and looked in the classifieds and found a job in um, Salt Lake City, Utah, where my husband had worked for a while. So I applied for a job in the NICU over the phone and they hired me. So my husband and I packed up everything and moved to Utah. We lived there for eight years. Two kids worked in the NICU the whole time. And um, then we moved back to Pennsylvania um, because the education, the public education is a little bit better here than it is in Utah. So came back here, worked in the NICU at the University of Pennsylvania for a couple of years. And then, um, and all of this was nights. Um, when my kids were little, I worked straight weekends. So I worked Baylor and then um, my husband worked during the week. So we kind of had this like, again, the balancing act. So I'm still like trying to balance everything. You know, all my balls are in the air. So now I've, I've achieved my eight-year-old success. I'm a mom, I'm a nurse. You know, um, I'm moving on through life and uh, 14 years in the NICU, I kind of burn out. It's interesting. The reason that I truly left the NICU is because one of the babies got influenza um, A and I didn't get the flu shot because when I was pregnant with my daughter and I got it, um, I got very, very sick and almost lost my baby. So we didn't know if it was an allergy. So I just chose not to get the shot. And they went ahead and said, um, you know, you need to either get the shot or you need to you need to leave um, the hospital. So how about the parallels to where we are right now? Right? right. You know, we feel like we're being like, you know, our we're being worked against because we have to get this shot. But it's always been like that. You know, if you choose not to get the flu shots, there's the hospitals can say you can't work there. And that's exactly what happened to me um, back in. Gosh, it was 2005. So, you know, I mean, the their health systems, they have to protect their clients. So that's just the way it goes. Um, so I just, for me, I, I could, I forgot about that until this whole thing started with the COVID vaccine. Um, and, you know, everyone was like, you know, they're disrespecting us, but it's, it, it pretty much has always been like that, but people didn't really push back against the flu shot very much. Um, went to trach vent kids at home after that. And then, um, wound up, uh, becoming a kidney donor to my neighbor who was a nurse. Um, and that was like a really um, divine thing, um, you know, to for my neighbor who's a friend, who's a nurse, we had kids the same age. She was tied to her peritoneal dialysis machine every night. My kids needed me at night. I didn't understand how she could survive when her kids needed her and she couldn't leave her room. And it was just too much to bear. I'm a twin, I have a kidney in the bag, so I'm kind of like set up, but <laughs> you know, it. it I, we, we didn't have to dumb it down. You're a nurse. I'm a nurse. I only need one. I'm healthy. You know, you can have one. And then, um, 
After doing that, I actually went into working in dialysis with um, acute dialysis patients in the hospital, which was a trip because holy crap, can you really like screw somebody up on a dialysis machine? Not by any fault, but they're so sick, you know, that I mean, you start going through the dialysis. Uh, so that was incredible because I did babies my whole life. So now I'm working with like adults, you know, hypotensive adults or like, you know, some crazy rhythm or whatever. So I'm dealing with that. And um, then I decided that um, at the end of my dialysis career, I think I, I burn out from nursing. Truly. Um, I didn't know if I could continue to be a nurse. I didn't, we were being like run ragged, you know, and there was really no, no matter what you said, no matter what you did, there was no like kind of, um, you know, I kept having to betray myself. Um, I remember when I worked in the NICU, I was very much like, I never went home without knowing that I did the best job that I could. Like I didn't leave a pump for anybody. I didn't leave a bed shitty. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I always made sure that I left it the very best that I could. And by the end of my nursing tenure, um, I wasn't doing the best job that I could. And it wasn't by any fault of mine. It was because of the amount of work that was being put on the nurse, um, you know, and I'm betraying myself in the thing I'm obsessed with. You guys were like, what are you obsessed with? I'm like obsessed with Maslow right now because, you know, the, Self-actualization says you need to, your physiologic needs need to come first. Food, drink, sleep, all of those. Shit. You know, next, you know, safety. Am I feeling safe? Driving home. I get pulled over because I'm speeding home because I'm trying not to fall asleep. And they're banging on the window to wake me up to give me my ticket. And I'm like, now I've got, you know, now you've just killed the time I have to get home. Safety, crap. You know, love and belonging. You know, and I think that as we move, if we could face our our needs as nurses on the low side, the safety and belonging, the self-esteem and self-actualization actually comes from other nurses, which is the beauty of it. You know, like, so I left nursing um, in 2018 and went into organ transplant coordination. So I really was doing nursing per se. Once the patient was pronounced brain dead, it became my patient. I also ran the OR as the transplant coordinator. So I wasn't working as a nurse. I was working alongside nurses, but it was very clear to me that I wasn't in the crew. And that sucked because I loved being in the crew. Um, you know, my nurse crew, we, we, you know, we ate meals together. We, were so inappropriate. Like if you fell asleep on night shift and you were in a rolling chair and you found yourself taped in an elevator, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like that's the way it went. We used to cut eyes out of magazines and close our eyes and put the eyes from the magazines on top of our eyes to make it look like we were awake. I mean, it was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. Um, and I knew that it was, it was um, something that I like wanted to get back to. Um, but the, transplant coordinator job was crazy. It was 40 hour call in two days. So you usually did a 24 hour, you did a 12 hour call shift, you slept, and then you worked for 24 the next. Um, and then you were off um, recovering because, you know, the older you get it, the harder it is to recover. Um, so I, that job got taken away from me when I got COVID in March of 2020. Um, my whole family got very, very sick um, here in Philadelphia. It was um, to the point where our Doctors were saying, you know, stick out your tongue. Your tongue is not blue. And we're sorry, you can't go to the hospital. Um, my husband was air hungry and um, not making much sense. Uh, my daughter was um, scared. She was 
16 years old at the time. Um, and I, I didn't sleep. I walked around the house and checked everyone's breathing for days. Um, and finally in the physiologic need for me to take care of myself, um, I'm the one who crashed and I wound up, um, my daughter had to help my husband drive us to the hospital. She'd never driven in a day in her life and she was helping him drive, um, to get me to the hospital. Um, and, uh, I, I almost passed out in the shower. My heart rate was 170. I was having a hard time breathing. And that was before they knew about the clotting factors with COVID. So my D-dimer was off the charts and like, they didn't know what it was. Does she have a PE? But they didn't, at that point it was March, 2020. They didn't really know much about COVID anymore. And they, and they told me, you don't have COVID. They told me, and then, you know, I wound up having COVID and, you know, the, the, the real, the real struggle came from not being able to get back to nursing. And it was the one time that I really um, finally stood up for myself and didn't betray myself by saying, you know what, I've got to get back because my employer wanted me to get back. Um, my doctor, my primary care physician literally told me I was faking. She said, they need you out there. You can't not be, you know, how do you know you're not going to be fine if you don't get back, get back out there? And I was like, I was in dressing. I wasn't, I, I was walking around in a daze. I would have panic attacks, you know, and there was no, so she denied my short-term disability. So I didn't get short-term disability. And then once I entered intensive outpatient um, mental health therapy, then I subsequently got long-term disability and I've been on long-term disability since January of 2021. So um, I am recovering. I'm, I'm it, you know, I went through something, um, I went through a PTSD group um, yesterday and there's something called, um, that I didn't know what it was. I used to call it COVID was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me because I was able to um, really do some inner work that I never would have been able to do and really dig into like, and, and that's why my website is called What the Actual Health, like, because what the actual fuck was what I said all the time, because I was like so confused about like, I but have to get back, like, like they need me, but I can't get back. And like, how am I going to do this? But like, I feel physically, because everyone would say, well, why are you on disability? You look fine. You know, and that's the stigma, you know, because if we're looking okay outside and COVID hasn't ravaged you on the outside and you're not like on a vent or something, like why can't it ravage you in here? And it's really confusing, I think, because we can be physically well and physically ill and both of those things are revered. Good for you. You look great. Oh my God, you're sick. What can I do for you? But if you're mentally well and mentally ill, this is not noticed. This is completely dis like downplayed. Like, what do you mean you're mentally ill? Like, oh God, like you're mentally ill. Well, it just means that I'm not mentally well. And the thing that we need to pay attention to is that chronic disease, like 80% of it can be changed with, can be fixed with lifestyle adjustments because guess what? The dis-ease that we have throughout our life, the chronic stress, the shitty food, the, all of these other things, all of that disease leads to physical disease. Mm. So if we're not paying attention to our mental, emotional, and spiritual, then it's eventually going to show up as the end of the train, which is the physical manifestation of disease. Right. So if we don't start working as wellness is a skill and start paying attention to the other parts of our holistic self, 
and we're only doing the disease model that says, you know, by the time you get here, I'm just going to give you a pill. Sorry, you had a cabbage. Go home, lose some weight, eat better, stop smoking. Bye. Like, who's going to help them figure out how to do that? Because it's very clear that they had no idea how to do that in the first place. And why are they doing all of these behaviors? You make you make a very good point because we just did an episode about diabetes and it's the same issue where there is this lack of education. There's, you know, the, the patient comes in with a high HbO1c, try to lose weight, try to exercise, maybe some metformin and that's all, but they, they don't feel empowered. They don't understand that they can make choices to reverse this. Everything is, um, it's just polypharmacy at the end of the day. You know, there's no objective to get you into wellness, just like you mentioned. Yeah. It's, it's holistic health. Like you, like you said, if, if something is, is uh, I don't want to say like wrong, but if you have some issues going on, I'd say like you're, you're depressed, that's going to, to lead to like an like obesity or an increased weight. That's why a lot of times you see people with depression, they, they eat more, they do certain things because, because they have this one issue, but it affects everything in their body, their mind, body, and soul. It's, it's, it's one thing. But I'm really curious. How did it feel for you going with like the PTSD? How did that how did how how did that feel? And how how what did you do to get past that? So so the T in PTSD is the trauma, and the trauma isn't the event; it's your response to the event, right? And the confusing part is is that once you start having so there's certain criteria that you have to meet to be diagnosed as PTSD. Um, and it takes a mental health professional to decide what they were. Um, but, you know, I was hopeless and helpless. Um, I was, um, I, I mean, I had a fair amount. I had like esophageal yeast. I didn't lay down to sleep for six weeks because I kept aspirating um, because of how bad my, um, because it, it goes for like COVID's, COVID's smart as shit. Like it goes for all those weak spots. So I had, um, I had a history of um, GERD and it like ripped my esophagus up. Um, it, I had um, reactive airway disease, not quite asthma. And I was doing nebulizers like every four hours. Um, my husband just had like boogers and a cold and he was just like coughing, coughing, coughing um, and really affected his lungs more. Um, so it's just, it's just crazy interesting. But the PTSD, the diagnosis kind of threw me off, but it was really, it was really an empowering place to know that someone could tell me that there was actually something wrong because I literally just thought I was going crazy because I was like, okay, maybe if it's, if I just get more sleep, I'll be fine. Well, maybe if I just, you know, and I, you know, and then they started pushing pills at me and they're like, you know, take Lexapro and take, eventually I wound up on, um, Mirtazapine, which is a, um, an antidepressant, but it has a sedative effect. And if I, I, I better had been close to a bed 30 minutes after taking that because it knocked me out and I loved it because I hadn't slept for so long. And, you know, I took Ambien when I was working straight nights for a long time, just like a half a 10, you know, just to get me to sleep because, you know, as a nurse, I had a million other things to do. The laundry was piling up the, you know, and I was like, well, if I just go do this and if I just go do that, and then next thing you know, it's three o'clock and you've got to like, start like gearing up and get ready to go back to work. So, you know, I, I really, I didn't want the pills. I didn't want the, you know, and what I really found is that, um, you know, talking about it and talking through what I had been through and having someone unpack with me, like where I was, um, 
you know, and I really had to, the, the sad thing is I really had to unpack the treatment that I would disempowerment I received from my physician. Um, I had to um, unpack the fear that I had received by not knowing that I could go out and get healthcare because it was all telehealth. Um, you know, there's a lot of like new stuff and then there was old stuff that came out. And, you know, I spent six months in um, intensive outpatient therapy, three days a week. I was in therapy um, for six months and it took a while for me to, you know, find my way back. Um, you know, every, and it, then on top of it, everyone's on top of you. Right. So now I'm in this fishbowl with everyone around me and I'm like this, you know, I can't sit still kind of person. And now I'm like catatonic and everyone's worried. So now I've got to pretend like everything's fine because I don't want the family to freak out. And you know what I mean? It just gets really, it just gets really confusing. So I was grateful for a really good therapy um, and, you know, the ability to, because the one thing that I didn't do is I didn't betray myself and I didn't say, you know what, what nurses do when we're in trouble is we go out and help as many people as possible. When I knew that the one person that I keep forgetting about that's in the room every time with me is me. And, you know, for once and for all, um, I did a self-compassion for healthcare providers training recently, and um, they talked about this like infinity symbol, like you give compassion to the patient, but then you have to give a little compassion to yourself, you know, and say, you know what, I'm going to give to you and say, oh my gosh, how are you? But then I'm going to go, oh my gosh, how am I? You know, I need to walk away for a second and like go take some breaths because I'm feeling the heaviness of all of this. And how haven't nurses been feeling the heaviness of like, you know, holding phones and hands and, you know, and we deal with a lot of death and organ transplant. I mean, obviously you have to be dead to donate your organs, but, um, you know, when, pa when patients, when people couldn't come and see their person who had just acutely died, um, and then having to go through, because then we have to ask a battery of questions like, you know, their whole health history, their whole everything. And sitting there with those families was like really a precious time. Um, to be able to allow them to see the legacy that they were providing for their loved one um, if they went ahead and made this decision. Um, and I missed out on that. And, um, you know, I, by the end, I just knew that um, it wasn't it wasn't going to be going back to the bedside that was going to help me um, with everything that I'd learned. Um, I was coming from a place I was coming from a full cup, you know, and I continue to fill my cup up. So I know how I can go out and help other nurses to hopefully see how they can fill their cup up first. And then we can show up authentically, but it requires some vulnerability. And if you're not willing to get vulnerable, then you're most likely not being authentic. And, um, you know, I think as we like toot our horns and everyone's like nurses are the most trusted profession, but when it comes to taking care of ourselves, we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a. Right. So Donna, if there's somebody listening that's ver relating to your story and has maybe some of the symptoms or is on the verge of burnout, because of everything that's going on, how do you start that self-care journey? How do you begin to start noticing or how do you start saying no to things and start saying yes to yourself and giving yourself that compassion and self-love? It's a great question. It's it's not, it can't be just one thing. It starts with everything, right? But you, you talked about Maslow's hierarchy and you said how you need the basic needs first. And it's also relating to all the nurses around you because... You know, if you get on shift and you have somebody that's already putting you down energetically, how can you uplift yourself and how can you uplift your patients if the the hive mindset of the unit is kind of like negative? So I intentionally took a big breath and paused 
when you ask me that question and that's really uncomfortable for people you know to have that space of the pause um i think really learning that stopping and creating a pause between you and whatever the next moment is is where for me um my spirituality kicks in. I am allowed to allow myself a pause to allow a download to happen because in my experience, all of my best thinking doesn't come from up here. My best thinking comes from here, you know, and if I live um, heart centered for myself, then I can show up heart centered for somebody else. So I think that the answer is like like consciously think about what you want to do next and then think about it again and if you think first time i don't want to fucking do this but the second time you're like i don't fucking do this then you probably shouldn't do it but you know we're so keyed in to saying but this is what one of the things that's really firing me up these days is like but this is what nurses do this is what you signed up for. And it's it's truly not what we signed up for. You know, we didn't sign up to be taken advantage of to the point where, you know, in innovative and resilient as hell, you know, you decide that they've got it. So now this is the now this is the way we're going to run things. I see a lot of places like, you know, we're in a nursing shortage and they can but this nurse can take three ICU patients, you know? Like they all live shift to shift. It's not the best care, but you know, like they're not dying. That's good for our numbers and then you wonder like okay, I could do this for like 12 hours, but can I do this for another year. And the devastating part about that is that, um, and I think what's really devastating nurses right now, everyone thinks that like nurses are leaving because they're being overworked. When my work wife left me, I was devastated. Like imagine not traveling together. Like, like no you depend on those people. And then they start going away because like they've had it you know, and they don't betray themselves in that moment. And we see them. And most of the time when people have left and, you know, it's like, so Gen Z doesn't want to stay because um, they want work-life balance and good for them. You know, they're like, you guys suck. Like, what the hell have you been doing taking this shit all these years? Like you work, what? Like they give you like, what? No, we're not doing that. And they like live in like a value space where they're like, you know what? I, 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 have, I have plans. I want to travel. I want to, you know, I'm not going to sell my soul to this profession. And then we've got the boomers, which is like a huge sect of nursing. That's like, it's too stressful out here. I was going to retire anyway, so I'm out. And, you know, then we've got people in the middle and everyone thinks it's because like, oh, there's too many patients. But really it's because we're seeing nurses are finally standing up for themselves and saying, you know what? I can't take it anymore. I, I, I choose me. I choose me. So one of the ways to really like take care of yourself is to choose you. But I challenge you. Like, I don't know that leaving nursing is the answer. Um, I know a lot of people want to leave nursing um, because they think that like they just had it. But in the 19 months that I've been away, I've been clawing my way back. I miss it because it's not what I do. It's who I am. Um, it, it's something that I really feel like it, this COVID thing is a tipping point. There was, um, 
I just posted an article on LinkedIn um, about like someone mentioned like this being a domino effect, this COVID thing. And I like closed my eyes and I visualized like dominoes like licking at my heels, chasing me my whole 26 years of my nursing career. And the final one is falling. And it's like, all right, nursing, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because they will continue to burn us down and out. I wonder if we could do better at like firing each other up. Like there's 4 million, there's 4 million of us in the United States. Like if you're picturing like Lord of the Rings and you've got like the nurses on one side and you've got the administrators on the other side and we're about to go to battle. Like, I don't know what kind of nurses, you know, but we're kicking some ass. Like we're like, but, but we'll also give you CPR on the way too, because we like love you so much. Cause you're like a human being, you know? So it's like, it's, it's time for like this. It's time for a nursing revolution. It really, really is. It's time for us to stop being like, you know, here's your crumbs, you know, and we say, thank you for the crumbs. You know what I mean? Like even just traveling nurses, like people are like, oh, they're leaving. Good for fucking you. Go get that money. Like, why not? Because they're not giving it to us at our regular hospitals. Like, right. And it's not even fully, it's not even fully about the money. Like the reason why I stayed at the hospital in Chicago so long wasn't for the money. It was just because we had such a good bond and such a good like unit communication where I didn't really, really care for it. But then, but then people started leaving and like, you no know, bonds get broken. Like your, your friends leave and then you start to not kind of want to work anymore because then you kind of start seeing the negatives of work. Sometimes having a really good unit and having really good coworkers, it blinds you to the fact how overworked you are. Because you're not only coming there for the patients, but you're coming there for your coworkers, yep. because because they're your friends. So you want to go there to help out. And once exactly. that that right, and once that uh, that camaraderie kind of dwindled or, or fell apart because people were started leaving, you had no incentive to stay anymore. So that's one of the reasons why I left Chicago and the travel nursing was was because that kind of our our core staff kind of left to go to different hospitals because we had a high turnover rate. It was really stressful, and people just kind of went there, did a few years just to get the name and the resume, and then they would leave. So that was kind of very unfortunate, but it, it was fun while it lasted. So my question is, how important is communication to you and how how drastic uh, was communication to kind of get over that PTSD and get more mentally healthy for you? So, I mean, it's so much like being in the unit, right? You know, people think that we show up because we like love wiping butts, but we love showing up for our coworkers, you know, like first and foremost, you good? First and foremost, we show up because if we don't show up, someone's getting screwed. And you probably the night before were like, are you back? Are you back? Are you back? Okay. So I know they're all back. I don't necessarily want to go back to work today, but calling out is a big fat no, no in our job because we would screw our coworkers. You know, we already know they're overworked and we know, and we've seen in dribs and drabs when they're overworked, there's a tipping point, you know, they may leave. And then when they leave, you're like, what the hell, like this job sucks. 
Like, I don't like like running around and and in the NICU, it was fun because we would all we were all in the same room. So you'd have seven nurses in one room. So once we did all our feeds and all of our care, like it was done at like three in a one hour shift, half hour, half hour, half hour. And then in the middle, we would like play cards and, you know, do whatever. And it was just like it was it was the best. You loved going to work. And I really think that we need to find a way back to loving going to work. And it's not just because some nurses are getting empowered by feeling seen and heard. It's that by, as a profession, we have empowered ourselves and our community colleagues to feel seen and heard. It is an inside, this is a bottom up revolution. This is not like, you know, oh, like I have a question for you guys. When you go to a travel hospital, do you look at like are we going to a magnet hospital? Are we going to uh like, do you do your research on the hospital to see like if it's magnet or if it's like. No, I wouldn't, we don't do any kind of research. Maybe we Google it just, just to like, I guess, see it, but we don't really look into if it's magnet or if it's a teaching hospital, we just want to go there, you know, and do our job and, and be a help. Like when we went to California, it was nice because they, they had ratios, but not only did they have ratios, they had a very good unit cohesion. So that's why I think their numbers were so good is because a, they had those ratios, but by having those ratios, it allowed them to, you know, talk to their coworkers a little bit more, have better teamwork because they weren't so stressed out with, with the workload. Right. Yeah. But there's right. definitely a difference between a teaching hospital and non-teaching mm -hmm. hospital. You can tell the, the care and everything um, comes in full circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And another thing that's really stressful about the nurse, and I noticed within myself, is not being able to provide holistic care. I feel like Holistic care was stressed about in nursing school. You have to do this. It's about the mind, body, spirit. But when you get into nursing, you have only time to take care of the body. When do you have time to sit down with your patient and figure out what's going on mentally or reassure everything's happening or everything's okay to not fear? You know, the spiritual side is completely lost. So it almost feel like on a macro level of the healthcare system, it feels like we're just taking care of the body and it's just a mechanic shop. We're, you know, putting the patch, changing the oil, take this on to the next. And it's very sad because that puts the burden on you because you feel like you're not doing enough for the patient because you know how important education is and that's being missed. And, you know, they're coming for readmissions and stuff. And it's really sad. Yeah, like it, that's a good point because even when you had that patient a couple of nights ago, the, pa the patient that was like breathing very shallowly, you yeah. could say, and, you know, a normal, like a nurse that would be like, for example, overworked, they might not be as inclined to do what you did when you told the patient to like relax and take deep breaths because, you know, she's breathing shallowly, she got be breathing, but when she relaxed and started breathing better, her oxygen saturation went up. Yeah. Typically when nurses are overworked, they kind of bypass that and they're like, okay, well, we need to intubate, we need to do this, we need to do that because they're treating, treating, a, treating a body. And the, but numbers. When you actually, and the numbers. But when you actually put, put the, the patient as like a, a holistic human being, you could fix certain things, you know? So that's what's really, really cool about it. So how do we how do we promote a healthcare system that's involved in holistic and wellness? Because that's clearly what's lacking. Yeah. So I I mean, wellness is a skill. Like we have to practice wellness. And you know, no one has time to meditate. I step out of meditation all the time because you know I think that these other things that I have to do because we have this indication that like if we go out here and I do these things or I get that thing or I wind up with that car or I wind up you know like then I'll be good. And you get those things and you're still there. Then you're like the next, the, what's the next thing? Right. When, if we just stop for a second and realize that maybe I have everything that I need and that maybe I'm being 
in the, I'm in this moment as it is. And I can just like either take that breath and not walk away and practice being present and practice sitting, even if it's an alarm and you're like, I'm going to sit here for three minutes, damn it. And I'm not getting up. It's uncomfortable, but only through practice. It's like, um, you know, any kind of exercise, you have to start slow and the more you get into it, the better you feel. So, you know, for example, you were talking about, you know, you're talking to this patient and, you know, she's anxious and what we forget about is, and what is lacking in the ability that we, the way we can care right now, because we're so short staffed is what would it look like if you said to a patient, Hey, let's just take one breath right now. I'm going to breathe with you. What are you going to do for Christmas? You know, and give them something to look forward to and give them a reason not to come back. What are your plans for next summer? You don't have plans for next summer. Well, you keep coming back here. So you're not going to, you're not going anywhere if you keep coming back here. So let's figure out what your plans are for next summer. And then, you know, we have to incentivize our patients to like, want to be a better person. And the way I think about holistic health, I really think about like plates on sticks. So you've got your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and you, they're all spinning. Now they don't spin by themselves. You have to touch them and get them to spin. So if we're not touching each of our plates every once in a while, they're going to start tipping. Then you've got to put the whole plate back up. Then I mean, you've taken too much time away from this one. So now this one's tipping and then all your plates are falling because you're not just taking the time to just, I'm going to spin you here. I'm going to spin you here. I'm going to spin you here. So it's just, it's just practice, you know, and we really complicate it. It's not, it's not a skill. I don't understand, understand the side effects of all these meds at all the time. I really just, they just, people just want to be seen and heard. They really just want connection. And um, it's been really hard in the last two years for us to connect with one another. Um, but I think that, um, I think everyone's finding their way back. I think people are really starting to feel challenged in that, like, there's other things that are in the world and maybe the people who are all woo woo, maybe they have something going, you know, it, maybe it's not all like unicorns and like a third eye popping open in the middle of your forehead. And I've got to wear like all these beads and some tie dye, even though I do have my tie dye on, <laughs> um, you know, it's not that deep. It's not like, here's, here's a, the visual on spirituality. When you're not breathing, Who's breathing for you? The body, the nervous system. Right. So how, but how does that spark happen over and over and over again? I don't know, your intrinsic drive. The buildup of CO2 makes you want to expand your lungs and breathe it out. Yeah. Okay, it's getting warmer. <laughs> no, no. The point is, is that there's, there's something greater than you that breathes for you when you forget to breathe. Okay. Unless yeah. you've got like brain injury, you know what I mean? Or unless you're like brainstem or, you know, you've got something else going on. But listen, like we can start to think outside of like, and I understand like science is like really, you know, solidly based. But if we're willing to think that like, we have everything that we need and we don't need to look outside of ourselves for it. But if we don't look inside of ourselves, then we are fucked because out there isn't necessarily what you need. And if you already have it all here, then maybe practicing checking in with yourself and see how that works for you. Um, nine times out of 10, 
people are going to get results. Um, I can do a little practice with you guys really fast if you want to. Okay. I'm done. Um, we have time? Yeah. yeah. Like we have, it's, it's super simple. It's super simple. So you're just going to close your eyes and I want you to just, I want you to visualize your favorite place in the whole world. And I want you to visualize everything about it. I want you to visualize the sky, the air around you, what you're walking on. When you're there, where do you go? And I want you to take in all the colors. And I want you to really just feel yourself in that place. And now with your hands on your lap, I want you to slowly tap your thighs, alternating hands, about 12 times with your eyes closed, thinking about this space. All right. Now I want you to feel the space that you were at. Is it cold sand, warm blue water, a breeze on your skin, your hair salty and messy? You're in the water. It's amazing. And you can feel every bit of the place that you're at. That wind blowing against your sun-kissed skin. Now I want you to slowly tap your legs, alternating your hands about 10 times. And think about the feeling of your place. Now I want you to Take in some smells of your space. Is it woodsy? Smell like the beach? Does it smell like a family meal? Just breathe in everything that you can, use, you can smell. Is it a smell of a baby? Is it a smell of a loved one's perfume? Whatever that smell is in the space, that brings you so much peace and comfort. Just imagine you can smell it right now. Now I want you to tap about 10 times on your legs, thinking about that smell in that perfect place. Now when you're thinking about that perfect place, what do you, what do you eat? What do you eat? You do you do you go get water ice? Is there a great pizza at the place you go to? Is it a lovely margarita? What are the tastes that are associated with that place? Is it jerky while you're camping? And think of the taste of that perfect place and now tap it out on your legs. Now think about your place and you're immersed in all of your senses of that place. 
You can taste it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can feel it. You can probably hear the sounds of it as well. And in this last moment, while you're in that place, kind of floating along, just tap it out. All right. And now when you get it and you're ready, you can open your eyes. That was grounding. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. So the tapping that you just downloaded that space into your tapping. So next time you're feeling really, really stressed and you don't have to like or do anything, just close your eyes for a second when you're feeling really stressed and just tap out your legs and see what happens to your body. See if you find yourself going back to that place and just centering yourself for a second in a place that you've recognized as like the place that grounds you. I'm definitely gonna do that, do that at work. Thinking sure. you'll become, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Don, you're a board certified holistic nurse coach. Is, mm -hmm. is that uh, where you learn how to do this from? So I actually just learned that at the PTSD class the other day, and it has been like really huge for me. Um, but I do, um, I do some EFT, um, some um, freedom technique. Um, and that's, you know, that's tapping on the meridians um, where there is, have you ever heard of it? No, not so it's called the emotional freedom technique and there's energy centers and meridians in your body that when um, it's what they do with acupuncture, puncture. So they stick needles in these areas that hold energy. And if there's blocks in that energy, they send um, dissolving into the energetic dissolving into those. So you can free up so energy can run through your body. So um, EFT um, allows you to um, think on a moment, you start with the karate chop point of your hand and you tap and say, you know, how you're feeling and what you want. And then you tap through, it's like, the inside of your eyebrow, the outside of your eye, the underneath of your eye, the underneath of your nose, the underneath of your mouth, under your arm, and then on the top of your head. And as you work through these, you rate on a scale before you start what your anxiety level was, and then you rate on a scale after. And most people find that um, their anxiety or whatever thing that they're working through at that time um, goes down. A lot of meditation, a lot of mindfulness. Do you think it's because of the tapping that, that comes out or it, or is it just because they're actually taking a moment to step out of this busy life that they, that they were doing? So there is research. There's a fair amount of research that says that when you engage with those um, energy centers in the body, that they do show changes when they do scans in the brain. So it is, um, it's a little more, it, it's woo woo, but it's scientifically proven that it is. I, I love how you bring up in the beginning of the episode, you talked about this ease and the, the suffering that the human body is experiencing because they're disconnected from maybe what the soul wants and what the body is telling it. So those miscommunications of signals constantly are creating that this ease and the the bad transfer of energy that could be leading to chronic disease. So I'm, I'm a firm believer with that. And what's also interesting when you did this tapping and everything, it's very intriguing that even though the eyes are used for just visual, uh, just seeing, it's also giving us different senses. With our eyes, we're able to smell. With our eyes, we're able to feel. With our eyes, we're able to 
Oh, geez, what's the fifth sense? I'm blanking out here. Smell? Smell, yeah. So it's it's crazy how our five senses are all interconnected, even though we say that one sense is for one thing specifically. Mm. So I'm about to get all woo-woo even worse, but those five senses are just our survival senses, right? Mm. So we need to tap into those so we don't die. But there's intuition, you know, like when, why do we have a gut feeling that that patient over there is about to code? I don't know why his numbers are fine, but for whatever reason, I just know the way he looks. It's it's, it's not going to be good. And five minutes later, that guy's out. Like there is energy. So we're just, the reason I can see you is because that you're a massive energy. That's just so much, so tightly bound that you've actually become like a physical form that I can like make up in my mind that I see you right. Energetically, like there's, there's messages happening all around us at all times, but we're so blocked by like, I call it, um, what do we do with animals? We, um, uh, domesticate them, you know, so they're wild, but then we tell them, you know, no, you have to pee outside and you're going to eat at in this dish and you're going to, you know what I mean? Like four-year-olds are undomesticated humans, you know, they run around, they bump into stuff. When they fall down, they crack their head off something. What do they do next? Get the fuck up and walk around again. They don't care. They're like, no, this is a this is just an interruption as to what I was doing. They're curious. They're excited. They're like full of life. Like that's what we are innately. Mm. We're all innately that. But then the world starts working on us and it starts telling us no and bad and that person. And, you know, like we start then we start to get language for it. And it's just bullshit, you know, like we really are. And for me, spirituality doesn't have to be like so big. Like my higher, all my higher power is, is just pure love. Hmm. Like all everything is, is just pure love. And the farther we are from love, then the close, the farther we are from being like fully actualized ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, and if we're able to give love to others and not able to give love to ourselves, I question you, what kind of love are you giving to other people when you're not coming from an authentic space of loving yourself? 100%. I love that. Yeah. And it's also very powerful that a lot of people aren't em embodying themselves because our bodies encompass to that realm, correct? So it's wild how if you're feeling a specific way energetically and you have these negative loop patterns of thought continuously that those thoughts that energy is going to materialize is going to become dense and then we start getting maybe cramps or muscle strains or in, in our neck and we think like oh we just need a massage but really it's just the energetic loop patterns that we've been dealing with weeks on and months on that are causing that strain it's not always just physical or i moved the wrong way yeah. I mean, where do you think cancer comes from? Disease, 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 stuck energy, heavy, hard, you know, who knows? Childhood wounds, all of these things that you're never able to look at, that you're not going to look at because it was the past and it's not that big of a deal and all of this. Like if self-esteem, if esteeming yourself means being honest with yourself, then Betray self-betrayal is not self-esteem. So every time we don't do what we should do next, I'm not going to take that one more bite. I'm going to sit in meditation. I'm going to do that walk today. Every time that we betray what we say we're going to do for ourselves, then we can't esteem ourselves. So self-esteem comes from self-trust. 
Yes, and that, and that's why creating boundaries is such a powerful thing because oh my gosh. and so it, hard. Yes, because if you don't have the discipline and you don't create boundary with, within yourself, you start not trusting yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, how can you trust the outside world? And you're just reacting to everything because you don't have the anchor that's created within yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, how about if you don't trust yourself, then you've got to go outside to find somebody else to trust you, and they're all just flawed humans too. So they're going to disappoint you every time. Like, that's just the way humans are. Like, everyone has free will. You can choose to do whatever you want. But with me, like, so my my spiritual path comes from recovery. So I'm a woman in recovery. Um, I have been sober for seven years. And I know that, like, I have to, in, when I was out there um, in my addiction, I couldn't breathe a truthful breath. I couldn't, I would just lie for lying sake because I wanted a good story or cause I wanted a, you know, I would grab, just take that piece of gum from the store or whatever. Like it was just like no big deal. But once I started to like get honest with myself and get rigorously honest, I can't literally lie to anyone else. You know why? Because I don't lie to myself, mm. you know? And I had to come to terms with the fact that like, like the drinking wasn't the problem. Like I was the problem, you know, and I have free will to choose that drink or I can choose to decide what to do next. Um, and it's not about willpower. It's about understanding that I'm not God. Um, and when I play God, I fuck it all up. So why should I even continue to try? Because, um, I'm not that powerful. Um, and I was pissed when I got sober and I, and I stopped drinking and I decided that like, I was going to let something else run the show and my life started to get better. Cause I worked very hard to keep a very clean life. And I never, I never had really big consequences. I didn't have, um, like car accidents. Um, I probably should have, um, but I didn't luckily I didn't kill somebody. And that was just like literally God saving me because I probably should have. Um, but you know, I, I learned that rigorous honesty is really important and it really is just with me and myself in the mirror. It's all yeah. we have. It's all we have. If this two years didn't teach us anything, it's that there is nothing that is promised. So you better figure out how to like yourself because everything else is just temporary. It can all be taken away. I was very intrigued when you brought up a little bit ago the five senses, five senses and how that's just part of your survival. Because as you think about it, the five senses is basically how you view the external environment and that's what keeps you alive, right? You you have to rely on those. But that's like keeping you alive on a physical level, not necessarily like the internal and mental level. That's like all, all, you have different senses for that. Like Like you mentioned intuition. So these five senses that you have, vision, smell, all those, uh, that keeps you alive physically. But what keeps you alive mentally is your mental thought and, and how you are on the inside. There's like, there's like two parts of life. And I feel like the five senses do a really, really good job. And that's almost automated. You already know how to react because of these senses. But the internal part is a hard part. That's where you have to actually do the work because it's you actually in, in your mind trying to change the way you think and the way you do things. And that's what people struggle with the most, I feel like. Well, but here's the, here's the beauty of the struggle. So you just had a cabbage, you're fat, you're, you know, you don't exercise and you smoke. And we're like, we fixed your heart. Now go, go fix the rest of it. Mm. You know, when you don't know what to do to get to your internal, you need someone to walk you through it. And that's why I came up with what the actual health. Um, that's why I do coaching. I am in, 
an empowerment coach to help nurses learn that wellness is a skill and that it's not a waste of time. Um, that by saying no, just like you said, with boundaries, like just by saying no to someone else means saying yes to you. That's huge. And sometimes we have to sit and unpack that because there's a fair amount of guilt as to not being seen as or as being seen as someone who will let somebody else down. You know, because we nurses, we're we're a little bit codependent. You know, we will we will give ourselves over um, and allow other people to enable us and enable others just to not have to look at our stuff. Because you know what? We can't unsee some of the stuff that we've seen. But if you don't process that disease, it is going to manifest in other ways. I, I consider I call it like the jack in the box. So, you know, my higher powers always like got the jack in the box going and here comes the guy and you're like, ah, no, I'm not like, oh my God, first instinct, close the box, you know, but the crank's always going and it's good. You never know when it's going to come up. And what would happen if you didn't close the box? And some people were like, there's no effing way. I'm not closing that box. I'm not looking at that stuff. It's going to come up eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, all nurses who have been through what we've gone through, dare I say everyone in the world, if you don't take time to unpack what's happening, then you're really going to have to unpack it at some point. And I just hope and pray that people don't have to get to the place that I was because it feels very, very scary and lonely. And, um, you know, I really, it takes, because of, you know, my self-actualization in, you know, the journey that I've been on so far, I was able to, you know, allow myself to trust. And I got to tell you, I have no idea how it all worked out, but I'm more financially stable out of work for 19 months than I ever have been in my entire life. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Like and that's, that's God for mm -hmm. me. That's what I call the way the universe mm -hmm. helps me because guess what? If my mission when I before I stepped into this body was to help people, I'm of no use to anybody if I don't take care of myself. So the universe says, Dawn, you take care of yourself and we'll take care of you. And it's like that leap of faith is so mind bending for people. But you just need someone to walk you through it. So if, if anybody, if anybody wants someone to just walk them through it in like a really because the way that I work is like. Everything that you have, I don't, I don't offer any suggestions or any kind of like expert advice. Everything that you need to know about you, you already have. It's just a matter of asking some questions and helping you tease it out and helping with you with some practices to learn how to get comfortable just being with yourself. So either of you want to I love, I love, I love that. enjoy a session. Um, all my, all my first sessions are free. Um, we do a holistic health assessment. We go through the areas of your life where you're feeling out of balance and um, we touch those plates um, and make sure that they're not going to be wobbling while you continue to work on some other stuff and get people into just kind of like this wellness is a skill empowered place where, you know, it doesn't matter if anyone else sees or hears you because you know that you come here every once in a while. And, um, you know, that's all we need to do. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's really powerful, Don. Your story is everything you went through and also the empowerment that you're giving to other people. So if anyone is listening and they want to truly empower themselves and cultivate that skill of wellness, what are the top three things they could do today? You know, I'm being called to put my hand on my heart. If you guys want to do that, just stick your hand just, just on your chest and just, you know, it's as easy as this sometimes. Um, you know, rolling out your neck isn't, 
isn't nothing. Um, you have a vagus nerve that goes from the back of your neck um, all the way down through the center of your body. So that vagal tone can sometimes get. So if you just put your hand on your heart and tip your head back a little bit and just sit here. You know, and if you're on the unit, you want to roll your eyes and pretend like you're not doing something that is a little bit woo-woo. You're just like looking at the sky being like those motherfuckers. Um, you can do that too, you know? You know, and just uh, let it out with a sigh. You know, something like that and something that like, you know, I love the idea of the self-compassion, you know, a self-compassion break um, reminds you and there's like three steps to it. Um, and it's along that continuum of that um, infinity symbol, you know, a self-compassion break for us says that, you know what, we ad we admit that like in a second we recognize we're struggling and it's okay to recognize that we're struggling. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. Um, and then you put yourself in the position that like, you know what, I see everyone else running around like this too. And I'm not alone in this. Like, and you know, cause we like to take ourselves like way too seriously. Like if we're struggling, then we need to like make like everyone needs to hear it. Excuse me, everybody. I am struggling. Like, no, it's not that deep. Like you can just say, you know what? I'm struggling. And there's other people who know what, how I'm feeling right now. So right now I'm just going to work on me for a second and the third step is like, how would I speak to a friend who was struggling? How would I speak to that person over there who's struggling? How would I speak to them? What would I say to them? And then I need to use that as an I statement, you know, and talk to myself that way and say, you know what? You're doing a great job. You literally are doing the best you can right now. You haven't peed and you should probably go get a snack. Okay. You know, and just take that break in a quick second. It really takes 30 seconds to say, you know what? This does not feel right. Okay. Um, there's other people who feel this way, so it's not that deep. And how would I speak to a friend about this? You're really doing the best that you can. Just keep, just keep doing it. You're almost done, you know, but do it to the best of your ability because that's what's, that's what you're called here to do. And that's, that's, that's how we do it. So I'm here if you need me, you know, and to talk to ourselves that way, it, it can't be, it can't be like, something that we have to practice. It's got to be something that we know is there at all times. It's so simple and it's so free. Um, um, and it's so freeing. Um, but it takes, you know, someone it's called coaching the gap. Like there's a gap between like, you know, crazy ass nurse and, you know, wellness aware nurse, you know, empowered self-actualized nurse. And that gap comes from just someone walking you through some easy stuff. And I feel like from nurse to nurse, it comes across as like really, really authentic because, you know, as you can see from this, you know, I love to throw a curse word in there and because, you know, I'm an adult, I can, I can use adult language. Um, so I, you know, I think we take each other and everything so seriously. And, you know, I think we're, if everyone just recognizes we're doing the best that we can in every moment and, we can recognize in ourselves that we're doing the best that we can. And we continue to have people like you, like continuing to talk to other people like this. Like we all just need connection. We all just want, we all just want connection. We all just want to feel seen and heard. And, you know, in, in going into your patient's room and just letting them know that like, I see you. Um, and, you know, it's an honor to be with you today. Um, those words can change somebody's life. Yeah. And that's so important. Like, I feel like nurses fail to realize how important it is to just, just talk about things. 
just because I feel like nurses deal with people in the hospital, so they always see people in like their worst. So when they see them in their worst, they're like, well, it could be worse. I could be in a hospital. And I feel like nurses need to be more open about stuff because people don't understand how important it is to talk about your feelings, talk about your struggles, let somebody know because a lot of times we have the same thoughts going over and over and over again and we don't change them. And then we get stuck in these loops and that's the new normal. This negative thought is your new normal. You went from being such a, we met that nurse that used to be so so funny, super nice, super energetic and something happened one year, two years down the line and she became a totally different person. And, and that's like their new way of thinking is, is that negative person. And then when they talk to somebody, that other person, it offers them like a different perspective on how they're seeing it. And that different perspective has the ability to change that negative thinking into the positive thinking that, that was there originally. That's why I always feel like, that's why I always tell people like, hey, if you're struggling, just talk about it because I can't look at you and know what's going on with you. You're not bleeding, right? But you're bleeding internally. Like I can't, I can't see that, you know? And it's, it's crazy how, how beneficial and how wonderful and life-changing that could be just simply telling people how you feel and, and just telling people about yourself and why you do certain things or just anything really about yourself. Yeah. 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 You guys are in Texas with my girl, Brene Brown, you know, Brene Brown. No, I'm not familiar. Oh, she's an incredible author. She's a researcher. She researches shame and um, she's got amazing books and what she calls like, and what nurses do, it's called comparative suffering, but I'm not dying. So I can't complain. Um, and it doesn't serve anybody. Um, it really doesn't. Um, the thing about nurses is that, and I, when I, when I speak to nurses, they're like, but I don't want to complain. And I just say, you know what? I'm not here to listen to your suffering. I'm here to listen to your story. And I think that's what nurses do really well with each other is that we storytell all the time and they did this and they did that. And then I went to have this thing and, you know, and we get to know each other with our storytelling. So it feels like we really have to like crack open, but in the sense of knowing that there's someone who is there to bear witness to your story, even from nurse to patient, you know, it, it, it means the world. It means the world. Yeah, 100%. I, I wanted to ask this before, uh, because you said you are a kidney donor, right? Yeah. So how is the, how is that process? And like, what may, like, what's like the emotional and the physical process of that? Because I've never spoken to somebody that's a kidney donor that's, you know, like, uh, like healthy. I'm not saying that kidney donors aren't healthy. I'm saying that as you see them in the hospital, I never see right. one in person. I got to interview one before. So how was that process? Yeah, how did you feel? For like that's fun, crazy. I guess, you know? Um, yeah. You know, it was it, it was very easy. I, I sat down with my family of or my families of origin. My our parents were not down with it, but that's not my problem. Um, I sat down with my children. I have two girls, Emma and Lauren. Emma's twenty two, Lauren seventeen, and my husband. And it was actually Lauren's best friend's mom. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they thought it was great. They 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 were all in. Um, we actually got canceled twice. Um, because she got, um, she got an ear infection and then she got, um, shingles. So the, um, antivirals that anti rejection meds that she would need to go on, she couldn't take while she was infected. So we had to push it off twice. And the third time, um, we were there, we were about to get heparinized before we went back and, uh, kidney trumps liver. So if a liver comes in, the surgeon will go and do the liver because it happens a lot less frequently. They can like kidneys can sit and ice a little bit longer. So, um, they said, um, we're going to have to cancel you. And the thing, the way that, um, higher power, so it was all divine. All of it's been divine. The way the re, you know, like my, my neighbor, Hey, I said, Hey, Stace, you look like shit. 
She's like, oh, I'm in kidney failure. I said, oh, I'll give you a kidney. And then the next thing you know, I'm a match. Like it doesn't, you know, you just have to pay attention to the time when you're supposed to say these things and trust that, you know, whatever's supposed to happen next is going to happen anyway. You just have to have the faith to be able to put it out there. Did I actually think I was going to give her a kidney? Hell no. But, you know, it worked out. So our friend was the um, OR manager. And um, when they told us that they we were going to have to go away for the third time, and I was like, you know what, I got I, I got to tell you. And it's interesting because you were saying like our gut feeling, like our gut feeling is intuition. And it hits us in our body, right? It gives you that feeling in your gut that goes, oh my God, this doesn't feel good. It's not necessarily a pain in your gut, but you can sense in that energy center that there's something that you need to like address. And in that moment, I knew like, I, I can't continue to come back. I'm this, the universe is telling me that I, I don't do this today. I'm not come doing this. So she went back, talked to the surgeon and he said he would do a double and he would uh, he was her surgeon. So my, um, as the recipient, my surgeon was ready. The don't the, uh, or my donor, I was ready. The recipient was not, um, the surgeon double dipped and he went ahead and did it that day. So it all worked out. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean, I had two C-sections and a hysterectomy. Um, so it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't yeah, it as bad as those. So kidneys, nothing. nothing, that nothing. <laughs> nah, nothing. <laughs> You know, I still overdid it. I still carried laundry when I shouldn't have. I still didn't. I still betrayed myself in a million ways, just like a good nurse. Does yeah, I was about to say, typical nurse mentality, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donna, where, yeah, where can I, people? I learned. Sorry. Go, where can people find you, Don? Um, so my website is um, WTA Health. What the actual? It stands for What the Actual Health. So it's WTAHealth.com. Or my email address is dawn at wtahealth.com. I'm also on LinkedIn um, at linkedin.com slash in slash dawn jones dash rn. And um, I'm on Instagram at wta health as well. So awesome. Thank um, you so much, Dawn. I'm ready to help ready to help when I need to. So anyone who needs, you know, just again, like I said, um, the first session is free. And if it means that we just, you know, are allowed to hold space for each other, because I get as much out of being with nurses as they get out of being with me. So it's really kind of selfishly placed for me to be in this position, but it is like, it is an absolute honor and it has been so fun. You guys, thank you so much for having me on. It has been, don't work too hard. Enjoy your massages. I'm going to go book one. It's so funny. Thank you so much, Don. It was an awesome conversation. I hope everybody checks you out. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Don. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.